Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another fresh, brand new episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and thank you so much for joining me for episode number 105. We are cruising past 100 now, and, you know, listen, it's still mind-boggling to just be at, you know, 100 episodes, right? Obviously, we're a few episodes past that now, but it's just still weird and, you know humbling to just be at you know over a hundred episodes you know starting at you know episode zero episode one 20 40 you just never really expect it so i'm a little corny about it just bear with me please but hopefully hopefully you had a wonderful weekend this past weekend weather was chilly it was cold but listen we have a lot to talk about a ton of to talk about in regards to the New England Patriots. Like, I really want to sit down and dive deep about this New England Patriots team because I don't want to get ahead of myself because, you know, I want to save it for a little bit later in the episode. This team is turning out to be a sneaky, sneaky underdog. Now, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself here in terms of what I want to talk about today or just in the season in general. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But look at what this team is doing. Or look at what this team has done recently. And just kind of figure out where I may be coming from. All right. Because this team has a ton of potential. They have proven it. They are winning. But like I said, I don't want to spoil it. I do want to talk about Red Sox. Before we do start with the Patriots stuff, you know, quick little Red Sox segment. I told you at the end of the season, the beginning of the offseason, that we will be talking Red Sox stuff as it comes in and as the news pops up. And unfortunately, well, for some people, unfortunately, others, you know, I'm sure they're rejoicing. Left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez, who was... Earlier last week, offered the qualifying offer, one year, $18.4 million or whatever it is, from the Red Sox, with reports that Heim Bloom is working with Rodriguez on a deal that will keep him in Boston longer than just the one-year qualifying offer. Well, news broke this morning when I freshly woke up. I was able to read on my phone. Left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez agrees to a five-year, $77 million deal with the Detroit Tigers. Now, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, it sucks. 
you know, losing Erod. I loved Erod. You guys know how I felt about him. But I honestly believe that the Tigers got a really good pitcher at a good price. I mean, if you take you, simple math here, 77 divided by 5 is $15.4 million. Now, how is that contract, um, you know, how are the numbers going to fall? Is it front-loaded? Is it equal? Is it back-loaded? I, I don't know. I don't care. It's average $15.4 million a year. Boom, plain and simple. Now, Erod was hit or miss this past year in 2021. But let's not forget that he was coming off of a corona, coronavirus-related myocarditis. I can't say it. A condition with the heart that he suffered from testing positive for COVID. Missed all of 2021. Uh, excuse me. Missed all of 2020. Bounced back in 2021. 13-8 record with a 4.74 ERA. Yeah, not not the best. Not the best. But in Erod's seven seasons in Boston, he went 64 and 39 with a 4.16 ERA. Not bad. Not bad at all. One thing I do like about Erod going to Detroit is because Detroit has a good young core of pitching, starting pitching. Tariq Skubal, Casey Mize, Matt Manning. And this Detroit Tigers team finished 77-85 and 85 this past year. Yeah, 16 games out of first place in the American League Central. Don't care. But if you look at, um, let's look at 2019, the last full regular season before 2021. Tigers were 47-114. and 114. Okay. Let's look at 2018. 64-98. Eh, didn't finish all much better. And 2017, just for fun, 64 and 98, you get the picture, right? I couldn't tell you the last season that they were good. Couldn't, I mean, the one, the only one I can think of is 2013, but they've had to have been better before then. Sports data is temporarily, okay, they don't have 2014. Do they have 2015? They do. And they were 74 and 87, and they finished in last place. Anyways, so let's speed up here to 2021. 77 and 85. They're clearly building on something. They're clearly building something. They have a good young pool of prospects coming up in the farm system. Obviously, after years of being dog shit, you have a great young starting rotation core of Scooble, Mize, and Manning. Then you throw in a veteran in Erod, who just two seasons ago in 2019 finished sixth in the American League Cy Young voting, 19-6 and record, 3.81 ERA, 1.33 whip, and 34 starts. When Erod is healthy, he will go out on the mound every five days. He will. He'll get you double-digit wins. He'll keep you in ball games, you know, upper threes, low four ERA, nothing fantastic, but he's reliable, he's dependable. Yeah, he's going to have his shaky starts, but he's also going to have his gems as well. And I think this is a great fit for the Tigers. Someone with a ton of experience. Someone who is, I don't want to say he's young, but he's relatively younger. So the next five years, the contract will be up. I think he'll be like 34 maybe. I'm not sure exactly how. 33 because he's 28 now. So, you know, plus five, 33. And if the Detroit Tigers truly want to push towards something, like I don't think this American League Central is guaranteed to be the White Sox next year. 
Obviously, the White Sox will be favorited for the division. And obviously, the Tigers need to make other moves. But I think Erod going to Detroit is a great move for him, for the Tigers. And yeah, it sucks being a Red Sox fan that he's gone. But that also opens up the door for someone to come in and replace him for similar money, maybe less. Now, the name that I have in mind is Justin Verlander. You guys might be thinking, whoa, wait a second. Didn't he used to play for the Astros? And didn't he used to play for the Tigers? You're absolutely correct. He is more than 18 months removed from Tommy John surgery, which he had at the end of 2019, I believe, or in 2019. He's entering his age 39 season. Now, keep in mind, he just had Tommy John surgery, so he's got a brand new elbow. So, before I go any further with Justin Verlander, I must add that with Erod signing with the Detroit Tigers after being extended the qualifying offer, the Red Sox will receive a compensation draft pick that will be at the end of the second round. So they will get an additional draft pick, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all, you know, all those rounds. But since they offered Erod the qualifying offer and signed somewhere else, Red Sox will get a compensation pick at the end of the second round before the third round. The Astros extended a qualifying offer to Justin Verlander as well. So the Red Sox, if they were to sign Verlander, would have to forfeit a draft pick at the end of the second round, which the Tigers are doing as well. But the Tigers, their draft pick, middle of the pack, you have all the young prospects you could use. Let's actually try to make a little bit of noise here because they see an opening in the American League Central and maybe even the American League in general. Those decisions are made are meant to be made by someone in the organization and that has a higher payroll than I do. But if the Red Sox were to offer Verlander a contract and he signs with the Red Sox, the Red Sox would forfeit a draft pick at the end of the second round, which would be a late draft pick. It would be 30 teams um, 28th, I believe, because the Braves would have 30th, Dodgers 31. No, I'm sorry. Braves 30th, Astros 29, Dodgers 28th, the Red Sox 27, excuse me. Who cares? Because you're going to get another pick right after the end of the second round. So if you kind of think of it, it's almost like in football where you're trading back in the draft, which you're not. But that's kind of what it's going to feel like. You know, you'll lose the 27th pick in the second round, but you're going to gain a compensation pick at the end of the second round. So it would be totally worth it to lose that second round comp, uh, draft pick for Justin Verlander. Because think of this rotation. A full year of Chris Sale being healthy post Tommy John surgery himself. Nathan Eovaldi, you know, had a killer season this year. Hopefully he can have another one. People love him here in Boston. Tanner Houck, young up-and-coming stud pitcher for the Sox, kind of reminds me of a right-handed Chris Sale. Then you throw in Justin Verlander on top of that? That just sounds good. That gives you three legitimate aces, Sale, Verlander, Evaldi. A up-and-coming stud in Hauk. And then you have Nick Pavetta, 
you know, at the back end of your rotation who performed very well this uh, this season and this off uh, postseason. You have Sale, Evaldi, and Verlander. At least Sale and Verlander are legitimate aces, one and two. Evaldi can bounce between one, but he's more of a two or three guy. You got Hauk and Pavetta at your four and your five. The mold of that rotation, I absolutely love. Because I don't want Nick Pavetta being my number two starting pitcher. Or Hauk being my number two starting pitcher. If this team can have two legitimate aces on their team, then the rest of the rotation can fall into place. Because Erod, when he was here, he was probably a number three pitcher, right? Maybe a two. Maybe like in 2019 he was a two. But more so he's a number three. But he had to be our number one or number two sometimes. And that just shakes the entire rotation up where your number four and five bounce up to your two and three. And then someone's got to fill in at the four and five spot. It just kind of messes things all sideways. But I honestly think you'd be able to bring in Verlander. Listen, he's 39 years old. I don't know what kind of money he's going to want. Yeah, he's already been paid. 39, he's probably looking for another contract. Oh, it's it's tough. It's tough. Obviously, the qualifying offer for Erod would have been $18.4 million. I would absolutely have zero problem giving that same amount of money, or similar, very similar, to Justin Verlander for one year. Maybe a second-year team option, but that would probably kind of scare him away, a team option, especially entering a age 40 season if he wishes to pitch another season. So that's really the only thing, baseball, that I have to talk about right now. Erod to the Tigers, rumors that Verlander could be coming to Boston. Now, I don't want to say that it's a high possibility, but it would be a really cool thing if he does because, like I said, Sale, Verlander, Ivaldi, Hauk, Pavetta. That sounds like a really, really good rotation, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion, like I said. Comment down below if you're watching this on YouTube or reach out to me on social media at Murph's Cartown. Your opinion. Did you want Erod back? Did you want him to leave? Do you even want Verlander? How much would you pay for Verlander? Does Verlander make sense here in Boston? Because you've heard my opinion. You've heard my thoughts about it. I love the idea of Verlander. I'm sad to see Erod go. But I'm sure there's people out there that wanted Erod to go and don't want Verlander here in Boston. So let's get the community going and let's hear some thoughts. And as you guys are typing your thoughts, opinions, whether it's in the YouTube comments or at me on social media, let's gear over to Patriots football. Where do I even begin? I have no idea. Let me get some water to stay hydrated. But where do we begin with this team? 45 to 7. Blowout. Absolutely uncorked the Cleveland Browns. I had no... Listen, I predicted the Pats to win. I did not predict a 45-7 to blowout. Absolutely not. The Patriots were clicking every which way possible. And I was all for it. Browns were at the goal line, fourth and goal. They went for it. They got a touchdown. You're down 7 nothing. Okay, cool. That happens. 
Patriots march right back, score a touchdown on themselves. 7-7. Love to see that. And then from there, it was just all Patriots. 17 points in the second, 7 in the third, 14 in the fourth, total of 45. And that one touchdown on the Browns' first drive of the game, on fourth and goal of all things, was their only points, only score of the day. Mac Jones, 19 for 23, 198 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Ramondre Stevenson getting the spot start for Damian Harris out with a concussion. 20 carries, 100 yards, 5.0 yards average, two touchdowns. Kendrick Bourne chipped in, three carries, 43 yards. Bolden, three for 32. J.J. Taylor, six for 11. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne receiving, four receptions, 98 yards, a touchdown. Myers, four receptions, 49 yards, and a touchdown. His first receiving touchdown of his career. Congratulations, young blood. Hopefully it is the first of many. And on a side note, it was freaking awesome to see the entire Patriots team, just about the entire Patriots team, run to the end zone after Jacoby Myers caught the ball with like this five, seven-yard line and then run in for a touchdown. They all knew it was his first touchdown, and they celebrated with him. Oh, that was such a cool moment. That shows me a lot of lot of team camaraderie. camaraderie. A lot of good team chemistry. They're gelling together. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. I just do want to run over the Patriots game, of course, and talk about that. Hunter Henry, four receptions, 47, uh, 37 yards, excuse me, two touchdowns. Nikhil Harry, one reception, 26 yards. Aguilar, two for 21. And Ramondre Stevenson, four for 14. Kyle Duggar with the lone interception of the day. And everyone else... Defense played well, obviously only giving up seven points. Can you not complain about this kind of a game? I even went into it saying that the Browns aren't a must-win spot themselves. I'm going to quickly refer to the AFC um, playoff picture because the Steelers tied yesterday against the Browns. So that was kind of like a lucky little win for the Browns because obviously with the tie the Steelers are still five and three and not six and three. Browns sit at five and five, Bengals five and four, Ravens six and three, Pittsburgh five three and one. That AFC North division is a close one. It is tight. It's still anyone's division. Ravens are probably the favorited out of the group, but clearly Pittsburgh is playing well. And if the Browns were able to win that game go up to six and four as well they would be on top of Pittsburgh and they would be right behind Baltimore this conference as I keep saying week in and week out is close it is tight you know the Patriots are currently the sixth seed right now at six and four if they lost and went five and five they would be out Vegas who just lost to Kansas City last night they're five and four they're one game out the Chargers, 5-4, and four, they're in. The Chiefs are now 6-4. and four, They lead the AFC West. Anyone's, anyone's race right now. The Buffalo Bills, 6-3. New England Patriots, 6-4. The Patriots are one win away from taking control of the AFC East division. 
did anyone expect that to be a possibility this year? Listen, I know there was a ton of people out there that said the Patriots aren't a playoff team. I know there are a ton of people out there that said they're a wild card team. They'll compete in the division, but they're not going to win it. Buffalo Bills, they're the team to beat. Buffalo Bills, perennial Super Bowl contender. All that may be still true. But the way I'm looking at it right now is that week, was it 13? I don't even know what week it is. I don't know. It's like in December, the first week in December, is going to be a crucial matchup the way things are going. Obviously, a lot still needs to happen for that to even become a scenario. Patriots have the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday. The Bills have the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Or at least I'm assuming it's a Sunday game, right? A lot's going to change. A lot can change. A lot probably will change. But every win and every loss, not just for the Patriots, not just for the Bills, not just for the Browns, for the entire AFC besides maybe the Dolphins, Jets, Jags, and Houston Texans are all important. The Broncos are 5-5, five and five, but they are still in it. They are still in it. Record-wise, they are half a game out. <laughs> yeah. These are the teams that are currently outside of the playoff picture, and here are their according records. Vegas Raiders, 5-4. Five and four. Bengals, 5-4. Five and four. Colts, 5-5. Five and five. Browns, 5-5. Five and five. Broncos, 5-5. Five and five. Those are all the teams that are currently out. Here are the teams that are currently in. Titans, 8-2. Bills, 6-3. Ravens, 6-3. Chiefs, 6-4. Steelers, 5-3-1. Patriots, 6-4. Chargers, 5-4. Imagine if the Patriots lost that Chargers game and the Chargers won. Chargers would be 6-4. Chiefs, uh, Chargers would be the division leader and the Chiefs would be out. Patriots would be 5-5 out of the playoff picture. It's a long season, yes, but when all of these teams are good, when you have 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 teams competing for 7 spots, it's close, it's tight, it's tough. Yes, it helps that there's an extra wildcard team in the format now instead of the traditional 6 that we've been used to for years and decades. Obviously, the seventh wild card was a thing that introduced last year, but obviously it's something that we need to still be adjusted to moving forward along with the 17-game regular season. And like I mentioned before, I originally did not like the seventh playoff team because I don't want mediocre or mediocrity in the playoffs. But it sure as hell is growing on me, and it's definitely making for an interesting, interesting um, development and not just the AFC and the NFC as well, but I could really care less about the NFC right now. Five and four chargers are the seventh seed. Are they a playoff team? Yes or no. Maybe a record aside. Is that team, the Los Angeles chargers of 2021, a playoff team? Yes or no. I'd say yes. And in the old format where it was just six teams, they're currently out. I will look at the NFC for this for this little um, thing. Carolina Panthers are five and five right now. Excluding the record, looking at their team, are they a playoff team? No. So it, the seventh seed is not going to be perfect year in and year out. It's just not. The Minnesota Vikings, 
They're right behind them. They're technically the eighth seed, if there was such a thing. Record aside, being four and five, are the Minnesota Vikings, the way their roster is constructed, a playoff team? Well, in years past, yes. And people had expectations this year. Would I consider them a playoff team? Maybe. I mean, I don't like their defense, but their offense is pretty good. So I guess I would say yes, but I'm not convinced on it. But you see how eh, I was on it. I mean, there's been countless seasons where the Steelers have been 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, and would have been the 7th seed in the playoffs. And we just, I mean, I didn't think we'd need that mediocrity. But when the conference has 12 good teams in the AFC, the 7th seed makes it all the much more delicious. It does. The Bengals are 5-4 and four right now. They're the, they're the team behind the Vegas Raiders. Are they a playoff team? I'm going to say no. But earlier on, they were playing like it. They have the potential. I think their defense is a year too early. But I love that offense. Would I mind seeing them in the playoffs? No. I kind of throw them in uh, I, like, a, like a half a peg below the Chargers, I would say. Colts, are they a playoff team at 5-5? Five and five? They got a good roster. I don't know if they're a playoff team. Browns, 5-5. Five and five. I think their roster is a playoff team roster. But overall, they're not. And the same thing with the Broncos, 5-5. Five and five. Are they a playoff team? No. And then I think I skipped the Raiders. You know, 5-4, and four, are they a playoff team? Roster-wise, no. But they're right on the cusp. Listen, I can't control who's going to get into the playoffs right now. I can't control that, obviously. But when you have 12 teams butting for seven spots and the playoff picture is this good, yeah, there's going to be some mediocrity. Yeah, there's going to be some half-decent teams, teams that probably slip in. But at least it makes the season more fun. It's not just a two-team race. It's not just, you know, eight teams that are all sucking and buying for the number one overall pick. Teams are actually being competitive. They're good. They're playing day in and day out. And it makes the season, over the course of now 17 games, much more interesting to watch. Instead of watching the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets week 11 and be like, oh, this trash bag of a game. Dolphins are 3-7, and seven, yes. But they're not that far out from the playoff picture. They're like three games out. Yeah, that's a lot. But they're not that far out, guys. I'm not going to go into it, but just, you know, just something to consider. So with the Patriots game being on Thursday, obviously I cannot talk and preview the game for Friday's episode with the game being on Sunday. With now the game being on Thursday, I'm going to talk about it today. But before I do talk about it today, I do kind of want to talk about something in Patriots lore, Patriots history. I want to reflect on Patriots seasons years past and this year's Patriots team. What may that be? When Tom Brady took over in 2001 as a starting quarterback, people had no idea who this guy was. Sixth round pick, uh, backup. You know, obviously we had the, the franchise quarterback in Drew Bledsoe. Why was Brady even here just to be a backup, I guess? 
you know, can we just win this game? I mean, we just lost our, you know, star quarterback. Can we just at least win this damn game? Kind of a thing. And uh, what, what, you know, obviously you have no idea that, you know, Tom Brady is going to win six Super Bowls for your franchise and obviously a seventh in his career with the Bucks. But when Tom Brady first took the field in 2001, you had no idea what you were getting yourself into. No idea. At that time, at that very time, the Patriots were 0-1. They would go on to lose that game and move to 0-2. Brady would get his first start against the Indianapolis Colts, probably the top team in the conference at that time. And they won. They would lose to Miami the following week, going to one and three. Does one and three sound familiar? Does one and three sound familiar? Because last time I checked, the Patriots were one and three after four games this year. Week five. This is on the 2001 season. Week five and six, they would win against the San Diego Chargers, and then again at the Indianapolis Colts. Yes, the Indianapolis Colts are part of the AFC East at that time. That's why you played two games against them. Then they would go out to Denver and lose. They would go to Atlanta and win, host Buffalo and win. And then Week 10, which everyone remembers as probably one of the best losses in, in Patriots history, was Week 10 against the St. Louis Rams, where you, you were able to dance with them. You were able dance with them yeah you lost 24-17 okay fine not the greatest game but you were lost by one possession one possession and after that moment you won the rest of the season the rest of the season you won does anything like that sound familiar Anything in there sound familiar? One and three does. Dancing with one of the best teams in the league. Losing, but dancing with them. Winning a statement game against the Indianapolis Colts. This team, in 2021, reminds me a lot of the 2001 team. Now wait, 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 wait. Pause. I'm not going to say that the 2021 Patriots will turn into the 2001 Patriots. I'm not going to say that. I'm not saying that this 2021 team will win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. Just look at it from the season itself. Obviously, what happened in the playoffs in 2001 and what could happen if the Patriots were to make the playoffs in 2021 are completely unknown if there will be any correlation at all okay for the sake of this i don't even want to talk about the 2001 super bowl i don't even want to talk about the 2001 playoffs for the sake of this i want to look at this in a wholesome minimalistic perspective you have in 2021 you have a rookie quarterback now, in 2001, Tom Brady was his in his second year, but he played, uh, what, two snaps in 2020? He played 
One game, he took he had three attempts, three passing attempts, completing one of them for six yards in 2000. So for the sake of this, can we please call Brady a rookie in twenty in 2001? Just for the sake of damn argument, because he kind of is. Now, I understand that the year behind Bledsoe in 2000, watching him and stuff like that, practicing, being the scout team quarterback is fantastic experience. I am not going to exclude that. But just for the simplicity of this, let's just call Brady a rookie in 2001. Okay? Brady... Not starting the season as a quarterback like Mac Jones did. But Tom Brady did take over in week two. Now, obviously, when Bledsoe got healthy and came back from his uh, his injury, Bill Belichick announced that Tom Brady was going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. And so he was. So, 2001, Brady started for the rest of the season after you know week two. Mac Jones started for the whole season starting week one. Patriots, after four weeks, were 1-3. Patriots, in 2021, after four weeks, 1-3. Okay, got a nice good win against the Colts in 2001. Can't really say that the Jets in week two was a nice win because they're the Jets. But week five, a long, hard-fought battle against the San Diego Chargers. Move into 2-3. and three. I guess the game against the Texans. Long, hard-fought hard battle. He moved to 2-3. and three. Congratulations, I guess. The Patriots beat the Indianapolis Colts in Week 6. Week 6 of 2021, you lose to the Dallas Cowboys. Both good teams. Hard-fought battle. We're able to prove yourself in 2021 that you can dance with one of the best teams in the NFL, which the Cowboys are. So I'm not going to do this for every single week and every single game. Because obviously I'm going to run out of weeks in 2021 that the Patriots have played a game in. And I'm also going to, you know, it's not going to be the identical win-loss, 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 right? Week 10, Patriots were 5-5 five and five in 2001. They showed you some hope that they could be a playoff team, that they can dance with the best team in the NFL, which was the St. Louis Rams at that time. Yes, in 2001 they rattle off a massive win streak. After the Patriots lost to the Dallas Cowboys, they have currently rattled off a massive win streak of their own, winning against the Jets, at the Chargers, at the Panthers, and against the Browns. Four straight wins. Now, obviously, I'm hoping Thursday they can win against the Falcons, and that'll be a great five-game winning streak. And then, obviously, the Titans, let's get them down the line. There was so much uncertainty in 2001. So many question marks. Yeah, you had a good defense. You had a good franchise starting quarterback in Drew Bledsoe, but he's gone. Now you have this rookie, essentially, replacing him. In 2021, you are projected to have a fantastic defense. A great defense. Dante Hightower's back. Uh, Stephon Gilmore was supposed to be here, but now he's out. You still have J.C. Jackson, though. Jalen Mills is brought in. Matthew Judon's brought in. Christian Barmore, who is a fantastic nose tackle this year. Chase Winovich, even though he's been up and down this year. You have a, a lot of good pieces. You know, David Godshaw even. Jawan Bentley. Devin McCourty still back there. Kyle Duggar expected to take a huge step in year two. A lot of good things going on in your defense in 2021. And you had a lot of great things going on in your defense in 2001. So the defenses, now I'm not going to compare the 2021 to the 2001 defense. I'm not going to do that. 
but you can see some similarities. 2001, your offense, question marks. You had no idea what kind of offense you were going to have. You know, you had an up-and-down offense that struggled to score some points sometimes, but then again, you also had an offense that was able to light up the scoreboard. I mean, look, in week two, the game you lost against the Jets, you lost 10-3. to Then you beat the Colts 44-13. to Then you lost to the Dolphins 30-10. to But then your offense would cook it up. 38 points, 20, 24, 21, 17, 34, 17, 27, 12, 20. Okay, maybe not exactly cook it up. So there was good days and bad days, right? 38 points, 24 points, 34 points, 27 points. Nice stuff. But your defense, though, was the one that really kept you in those games. Uh, Week 6, Indianapolis Colts. Where is it? 17 points. Broncos 31, the one you lost. 10 points, 11 points, 24 points to the Rams that you lost. 17 points, 16 points, 16 points, 9 points, 13 points in week 15. And then 16 points, I'm sorry, 6 points in week 17 after the bye. Because 2001, the attack on the Twin Towers kind of messed up the season a little bit. The bye week was all the way at week 16. So, defense helped you and carried you that year while Tom Brady was able to grow and develop as a quarterback in this league. And that was honestly what was projected in 2021 for Mac Jones and the Patriots. You were going to have a top five defense that was going to be able to do this and do that, win you some games, make some stops against some good teams, while Mac Jones grows and develops and executes simple offense to put your team in positions to win the game. I see a lot of 2001 in 2021. I do. I do. So far, in 2021, the Patriots have allowed 177 points to the opposing team. That is second in the league. Only behind the Buffalo Bills with 135. The Bills have given up 42 less points to the opposing team. But still, the Patriots are second with 177. Total points. The Patriots are also second in points per game given up. Average points per game, 17.7. Again, first place goes to Buffalo Bills, giving up an average of 15. Patriots, 17.7. That's second place. Total yards per game. The Patriots are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6th at 328. Total yards per game, passing and rushing. The Bills, again, lead that one, 274.1 yards per game. And then, like, rushing yards, average rushing yards, passing, average passing yards. The the Patriots were, like, all, you know, between, like, 7 and, like, 12th, I think. I don't know. I, I didn't want to do the math. But still, when you're second in total points and points per game and then sixth in total yards or yards per game, that is a damn good defense. That is a damn good defense. A defense that needs to be reckoned with. Like I said, I'm not going to compare 2001 to 2021 Patriots defense. I'm not going to do it. But there are similarities to not only the defenses, but the offensive situation and how the season has portrayed. Like I said at the beginning of the segment, I'm not going to compare the events of 2001 to the potential foreseen events of 2021. There's just a lot of similarities 
a lot of hope, high expectations. There are a lot of doubts and a ton of mixed feelings in between. Those are both the same emotions felt in 2001 that we are feeling in 2021. No one expected, no one even thought the Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl at 5-5 five and five after losing to the Rams in Week 10. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. Do people think, you could even say before the Browns game or even after the Browns game because the Patriots are 6-4, and four, obviously one game better than they were in 2001. Well, okay, let's just call it. After 10 games, they're 6-4. and four. Does anybody think the Patriots can win the Super Bowl? I'm still going to say no. I don't think they will because I think the Titans are better, the Bills are better, uh, the Ravens are better. Punch for punch, the Chiefs are probably better, even though the defense is atrocious and they can't run the ball. And like I said, I don't even want to look at the NFC because you can't really control that. At least here in your conference, you can control it a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and say the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl in 2021. I'm not saying that. But you have to admit and realize that there are tons of similarities to both seasons, 2001 and 2021, and that the potential for greatness is there with this team this year, with this defense this year, this offense this year, and Mac Jones this year, and all of those things moving forward as well. No one expected Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl in 2001. Even after his first win against the Colts, even after winning uh, six in a row or whatever it was to uh, finish the season 11-5, no one expected him to still do it. People probably expected the Raiders to either win, the Steelers to either win, but definitely the Rams to win all in 2001. I got to sneeze. Hold on. Oh, excuse me. Thank you. This Patriots team has potential. Maybe not this year. Maybe not next year. But this team has potential with Mac Jones. And for people that have said Mac Jones sucks over the course of this year, at any point this year, deserve to give everybody who supported Mac Jones an apology. Because Mac Jones is not only playing the best football out of the five rookie quarterbacks from this year's class, he is playing better than a lot of veterans. He has significantly improved since week one, since week four, since week seven. His touchdown to interception ratio is starting to get larger. I think 13 touchdowns to now seven interceptions. So it's not just one and one. It's almost two to one. I'll take it. He's growing. He is developing. He is a rookie quarterback. He is going to make mistakes. He is going to mess up. He will have his moments where he shines and thrives. I've said this countless times. Week in and week out, he has put you in position to win a lot of football games exception of maybe the Saints game even though I still think that pick six that John Smith dropped was the immense game changer where the Patriots could have came back but besides the point Buccaneers was in the position actually Dolphins I've said this a million times I'm going to say it again Harris isn't fumble Patriots are in scoring position they're in the red zone Buccaneers if the Patriots just if Nick Folk was able to hit that field goal 
which obviously 56 yarder in the rain, very tough. I'm not holding it against him. I'm just saying if he hits that field goal that are winning, can't control what the Bucks and Brady would have done, but I'm just saying you would have been winning 20 to 19. The Cowboys game, you lost 35 to 29 in overtime. Your defense failed you that game. And you've won four straight. Mac Jones is good. Mac Jones is one of the many reasons you are six and four right now. Keep in mind, you started the season one and three. You started this season one and three. And now look at you. Six and four. Out of the last six games, you've won five of them. This team is sneaky, dangerous, and has a lot of upside and cannot be taken lightly in this AFC picture. Like I said 20 minutes ago or whatever, they are one game behind the Buffalo Bills for the lead in the AFC East. Not going to say they're going to win the division, but I'm just saying they're right there. And not many people expected it, and not no Mac Jones haters expected it. And all you guys can go pound some fucking sand. There you go. There you have it. Quick recap of the NFL Week 10 slate. Obviously, as we knew, Dolphins defeated the Ravens 22-10. The Titans beat the Saints 23-21. Bills destroyed the Jets 45-17. Lions and Steelers tied yesterday in Pittsburgh. What a damn joke the Steelers are. Colts defeated the Jaguars 23-17. The Washington football team beat the Buccaneers 29-19. What a fantastic game that was to watch. Heartbreaking to see Brady lose, though. Patriots beat the Browns 45-7. As we know, Colts plucked and wrung the necks of the Falcons 43-3. Hopefully that will have a little carryover going into the Thursday night football game between the Patriots and the Falcons, which I will break down in a few moments. Panthers Beat down the Cardinals 34-10. Are the Cardinals not legit anymore? Questions that need answers. Vikings beat the Chargers 27-20. Packers shut out the Seahawks 17-0. Eagles over the Broncos in Denver 30-13. And Chiefs beat the Raiders 41-14 last night in Vegas. We do have the Rams against the 49ers tonight in San Francisco for Monday night football. With all that being said, Let's jump to the Patriots and Falcons game preview. What can we expect from this game? What are we hoping for in this? Well, obviously we're hoping for a damn win. No shit, Murph. Seriously, what what, what are we hoping for in this game? Short week, you have four days. You have today. I guess you have the rest of Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to prepare. And then obviously Thursday. Players hate Thursday night football because of the small turnover. Can't recover, can't get healthy, practice, all that good stuff. I get it. I like it because it gives me something to watch on Thursday night. What? But seriously, what should we expect? Patriots are going into this game six-point road favorites against the Falcons. Now, do we remember the exercise that I did a few weeks ago? Do we remember this exercise where I think we were one and three at the time, and I was telling you, no, we were two and five. Two and four, I'm sorry, because we just beat the Cowboy, uh, the, the Texans at that time. Remember when I made that Mac Jones sucks video, YouTube video? I don't know if you guys have watched it. If you haven't, definitely go check it out because I definitely tick off a lot of people. And a lot of people are trying to tell me that Cam Newton 
we the Patriots would be much better off with Cam Newton, which I don't think is anywhere true. Even though it's good to see him back with Carolina, though, you know, it's good to see him still playing. Patriots were two and five, and I made this Mac Jones sucks video. And in that video, I took a list of the upcoming games, Patriots against, at the time, the Dallas Cowboys, the Jets, the Chargers, so on and so forth. And I took what Vegas had the game spread at. And whatever the spread was at, if they were favored, I'd give them a win. If they weren't favored, I'd give them a loss. So, for example, the Patriots were minus 1.5 point favorites against Dallas in Week 6. So I chalked that up as a win. In Week 7, they were 6.5 point favorites. And I chalked that up as a win. Against the Chargers, they were negative 2.5 underdogs. So I counted that as a loss. You get the picture, right? I did that whole exercise for the remaining schedule. And I had the, after that schedule, after that little segment, the Patriots were 6-11. and 11, With losses against the Chargers, Panthers, Browns, Falcons, Bills, Colts, Bills again, Dolphins. Purely based off of what Vegas had the spread at. Six and eleven. Well, they have six wins now, so Vegas can go pound. Well, I guess they can't because they could still finish six and eleven mathematically. Besides the point, I digress. The Atlanta Falcons. That game was chalked up as a loss. That Week Eleven Thursday Night Football game was chalked up as a loss because the Falcons were one point five point favorites in that game. They, the Patriots, are now six point road favorites. Vegas, go pound some sand, pal. They are six point five, six point favorites, road favorites for Thursday night football. Because the Patriots are going in the north direction, and the Falcons are kind of going like northeast or something. They're not going down, but they're not really going up. Patriots need to win this game. Crucial, crucial, crucial game. Yes, I've said this a few times now. Patriots need a must-win this game. They need must-win this game. Must-win, must-win. Well, because it kind of is at this point when you have 12 teams in the conference playing so well. You're one game behind the Bills. Uh, Falcons kind of suck, but not really. But they're not really good. No, the weird little limbo purgatory team. And you got the Titans the following week, which is the best team in the conference right now. So, if you can win this game, you'll have 10 days to rest and prepare for the Titans where you can give them your best. I said, the upcoming four games, Browns, Falcons, Titans, Bills, win three of them. Okay, I would prefer them. If they're going to lose one, I'd prefer it to be against the Titans, and you can win that Bills game so you can have the tiebreaker. So this game is a must-win, because if you lose this game, then you got to win the next two, and that's going to be really tough, both the Titans and the Bills. This game against the Falcons, no Calvin Ridley, obviously dealing with mental health issues. Get get uh, get better, bro. Hope to see you back on the field soon. I, obviously, I don't expect you on Thursday, but you know, soon in the season, if you do were to return for the season, but definitely take care of your own first. But the Patriots are a better team than the Falcons in every which way. Their running game, obviously, when healthy, with Harris healthy, is better. Now, obviously, is Harris going to play on Thursday? I don't know. The whole thing with the concussion took me three months to get over a concussion. I don't know if it'll take him 13 days. But the running game, you know, Bolden's came on big time. He's not just a special teamer anymore. He's an actual weapon for us, which, you know, obviously I was a little wrong about. I'll admit it. I was wrong about Brandon Bolden. I still don't think he is good long term. 
But I guess for this year, sure. Stevenson's come on. J.J. Taylor's not there yet. Damian Harris, obviously a great running back. Much better than you know anything that the Falcons can throw at you. Obviously, they have Cordell Patterson, who's playing 17 positions this year. The passing game. Okay, I mean, the Falcons have Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage. No Julio, no Calvin. Patriots, no, not that much better, but they at least have... You know, Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. I think the weapons that the Patriots have at their disposal is better. And then you look at the defense. Well, that Falcons defense sucks. And the Patriots defense, which we already talked about, is one of the best defenses. Let's just call it a top five defense. Second in points. Uh, I'm sorry, no, sixth in total point. No, what was it? Second in total points. Second in points per game. Sixth in total uh yards per game excuse me and then like between like six and 12 between like rushing yards rushing yards per game passing passing yards per game all that good stuff so just call it a top five defense for the sake of argument right it's top seven defense i don't care whatever you want to call it much better than the falcons defense they're crap back defense let's just be honest and then you look at the quarterback play mac jones i believe is trending very up matt ryan's not trending down but he's not trending up either it's going to be an interesting game nonetheless. Obviously, in Atlanta, Atlanta will have home field advantage. Short week, it'll be a true test for Mac Jones to see how he can play on short rest, what the game plan will be for a rookie quarterback on a short week coming from Josh McDaniels in the offensive perspective. Will it be run heavy? Will it be pass heavy? Are you going to try to take advantage of that Atlanta Falcons secondary? What is Damian Harris's health going to be? Will Stevenson be able to carry the load full-time for another week? How is the offensive line going to hold up and protect Mac Jones on a short week? What is the defense going to do? How are they going to stop Kyle Pitts? And how are they going to put pressure on Matt Ryan? There's a ton of questions. Do not get me wrong. And this is no layup. I think a six-point road favorite, the Patriots can cover. But I'm not feeling entirely confident in it. I still think it's going to be a good game. Thursday night football games on the road can be tricky sometimes. Obviously, I'm going to pick the Patriots to win this game because I do believe they are the superior team here. But I'm not going to tell you that the Patriots are going to win 45-7 to like they did on Sunday. But then again, I thought it was going to be a close game on Sunday, but they ended up winning 45-7. to Here are my three keys for this game, or three things I'm looking for. Mac Jones. How is he going to play on short rest? Condensed week, short week. Is the playbook going to be condensed? Are they going to try some new things? You know... Mac Jones and his, you know, he just, you know, played on Sunday. Yeah, he was able to have, you know, the fourth quarter off, which helps. But I want to see how he kind of, you know, four days is able to come back, travel, hostile environment, and go out and play. I want to see how that plays out. Number two, defense. If the defense can stop Kyle Pitts in any passing attack period by getting pressure to Matt Ryan, this game should be a piece of cake. It should be. Because you don't have Julio Jones to worry about. You don't have Calvin Ridley to worry about. Uh, in the Super Bowl, they had Mohamed Sanu. Uh, a few years ago when they uh, played, when you played actually the year after the Super Bowl, they had Russell Gage, I believe, at that point still. So, like, they've had weapons over the years. But not the, not this year. Yeah, they have Cordell Patterson. Russell Gage is nice. Olamide Zacchaeus. He's a boomer bust in fantasy. Like, he'll catch a 60-yard touchdown, like, twice twice a year, and that's it, <laughs> right? Kyle Pitts, deadly weapon. 
You know how I feel about Kyle Pitts. I absolutely love Kyle Pitts. Fan, he's going to be a top five, top three tight end in this league very, very soon. So if the Patriots can stop the few weapons, obviously Pitts and Cordell Patterson, probably the two that you need to be most concerned about, all while getting pressure to Matt Ryan, I think you should be able to, you know, have much success because don't forget, the Falcons are also on short rest as well. They are. And they just got their ass handed to them. 48 to uh, 43 to 3 to the Cowboys. Who, by the way, you were able to dance with in week six. So there are a lot of factors for the Patriots, but also for the Falcons as well. And we need to keep that in mind. And then my third key to the game, the third thing that I'm looking for is the coaching matchup. Bill Belichick is a walking coaching mismatch. He can overpower the coaching, the opposing coaching staff almost every single week. He did it against the Browns this past week, and it showed. Can he do it this week against the Falcons? Because if he's able to, then it'll make this short week Thursday night game a little bit easier for the Patriots because Bill Belichick, who's been here a million times, knows how to dice things up and draw things up, take someone out or, you know, take the opposing player's best offensive player out, the opposing team's best defensive player out, and do all of that. And if Belichick can remove Cordell Patterson from the game, you know, X and O's wise, or Kyle Pitts, what are the Falcons going to be able to do? How are the Falcons coaching staff going to be able to overcome that against this Patriots defense who's proven to be top five, six, seven, whatever the hell you want to call it? I think Bill Belichick over the entire Falcons coaching staff is something to keep an eye on. Thursday, uh, I'm sorry, Sunday, Josh McDaniels played a fantastic game. He coached up a fantastic scheme. He was destroying. He was taking advantage of the Cleveland Browns defensive coordinator. I don't even know who it is in the coaching staff over there. 45-7. to Absolute decimated the Browns defense. And obviously on the defensive side of the ball as well, the Patriots, you know, had their ways. All Patriots have all the momentum going into this game. They won 45 to 7. The Falcons have no momentum going into this game, losing 43 to 3. Two teams trending or I guess record-wise, similar directions because the Falcons are where are the Falcons? Falcons are 4-5. and five. They're the second team out of the playoff picture in the NFC. Meanwhile, the Patriots are the sixth seed in the ASC. So I'm not going to say that there's two teams completely trending in opposite directions. Based off of Week 10, yes, they're trending in opposite directions. But generally speaking, the Falcons are kind of right there, just behind the Saints who are struggling now without Jameis Winston. The Panthers are struggling a little bit. The Vikings are right in front of them. So the Falcons aren't they're not a dog shit team. They're not three and six, but they're definitely not good. But like I said, they're not they're not two teams trending in opposite directions. But that is everything that I have to talk about in today's episode. A little bit of uh Red Sox and Water Rodriguez news to start the episode, and then obviously a ton of Patriots and football chatter. I will go over week eleven matchups and predictions on Friday's episode. I just wanted to make sure that I cover the Patriots today. I usually don't cover Thursday night football, but with the Patriots playing on Thursday, I was like, let me make sure I discuss this game because obviously I don't want to sit here on Friday 
talk about the game when the game already happened. I want to talk about the game on Friday for what the game was. But that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying on audio-only platforms. I really appreciate it. I have surpassed 5,000 downloads here on Murph's Boston Sports Talk, so I really appreciate every single download, every single person listening, and every single person enjoying this podcast. 105 episodes in, and I cannot do it without any of you guys, so I thank you so much. And those that are watching on YouTube, I really appreciate you liking the video, commenting on the video, and subscribing to the channel as well, because all that is fantastic support that I immensely, immensely appreciate. But like I said, that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I cannot wait for the Patriots game. I can't wait to hear more breaking Red Sox news as the offseason kind of transpires a little bit. There could be a work stoppage in baseball, which we can discuss later on in time. Bruins, Celtics, I didn't get to today for obvious reasons, but I'll try to get to them in Friday's episode. But that is going to do it for today. That is going to do it for this episode. I cannot wait to see you on Friday's episode. But between now and then, have a fantastic week. Enjoy this cold weather if you're weird like that and enjoy the cold weather. I wish it was 85 degrees out, but that's just me. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will catch you in the next one. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and I will always see you.